As we uh, dig into this morning's word, I want to throw a couple prayer requests out there and ask you to keep in mind and continue to pray for these things. I received, um, actually, uh, somebody that Colin works with. He got a message last night, and he said this. He wanted to know if we could add it to a prayer. And he said, my stepbrother is a part-time cop in Edgerton, Ohio, and he and a team of, from the police department are in Cleveland to work the Republican National Convention. They have a 12-hour briefing today, which is Sunday, and a minimum of 12 hours a day all next week. He posted that they've already started to protest there. Could you please add the team to your church prayer list? It made me think, you know, as these uh, political conventions are starting up in the next couple of weeks, um, there's going to be a little of unrest. There's going to be some protests. We know that's going to happen. So let's continue to pray for our police department, p- people who are serving in various ways through those cities. I read in the paper that Brock Mueller is actually going to be one of the speakers at the Republican National Convention next week. And uh, many of you know Brock from town here, and I know he's probably very nervous uh, about that. I think I would be if I was chosen to speak um, at a situation or an event of such uh, great magnitude. So be praying for him as well. Be praying for all those who are going to be there. Our nation, as we know doesn't matter where you stand politically, our nation needs prayer. And we know that it is not going to be a presidential election that solves the problems of this nation. We just need Jesus, period. So let's pray for this nation and all who are involved in throughout the process of upcoming events. Open up your Bibles, would you please, to Romans chapter 8. Took a little side step last week to speak to current events, and uh, today sort of still sticks with it. I think as you always open up God's Word, God's always speaking to you in the presence of what's going on in your life. It's an amazing thing about God's Word, His breath, His words, His breathing into our life. Romans chapter 8, and again, I want to just sort of remind you where we've been up to this point in time. We're going to look at verse 17 today. Church, I want to remind you that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. Just think about that for a little bit. Let that soak in. You're an adopted child into the family of God. We're called as children. Through faith, you are a child of God. There's no other way, no other process. And in a world that seems divided and pitted against each other, In a world where we have to make signs to demonstrate and shout that our lives matter, isn't it good to know that Jesus Christ came for everyone? He didn't come for one race. He didn't come for one section of people. He came for everyone. Ephesians chapter 113 says this, And now you Gentiles, you've heard the truth. You've heard the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Jesus Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit that he promised long ago. Let those words soak in. Listen to what he said. Jesus Christ came to this earth for the Gentiles, Paul was saying, which in this situation he's talking to the Greeks, but also for the Jews 
the Americans, the Italians, the French, the black, the white, the Hispanic, for all, for all. We're all included in Christ's broad reach of love. As he reached out, he didn't reach out to one group, he reached out to all. For God so loved what? The world. Not one section, not one continent, not one city. It's crucial to understand that while salvation is for all, it's incorporated into the life of a person only when they believe, only when they believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. If you attend this church, you've heard the gospel. You've heard it over and over because that is one thing we will never go light on. But not everyone has heard the gospel. Church, listen carefully. Jesus said in John chapter 5, he said, Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death unto life. Jesus also said in John chapter 1, he goes, Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave right to be called children of God. Paul said what? For by grace are you saved. Through what? Faith. Not of yourselves, not of works. Not as a result of any of that so that we would boast. See, once we truly believe in and receive Jesus, we have assurance of that salvation. John chapter 10, 28 and 29, Jesus said this as he's talking with his disciples. He said, I give them eternal life. And I've used this example before, putting a coin in my hand, saying that's you, and putting in the hands of Jesus. He says, I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And my Father, who is greater than I, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are adopted into his family. He's not kicking you out. Only when we accept Christ's work on the cross, we're signed, sealed, delivered, and we say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Oh, you don't, you okay with that salvation issue there? We say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Oh, boy. Okay. Don't make me worry here. So I'm going to ask everyone, I'm going to ask all of you, Okay, I'm not going to say raise your hand, stand up. I'm not going to do any of that, okay? Have you truly believed? Have you truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in God's one and only Son? Have you done that? Because today is the day of salvation. If you have not, why not? What are you waiting for? If you said yes, that's great. That's great news. But Paul continues, you know, because we're up to verse 16. It's like, yes, I believe that. Great. You're adopted into the family. You're a child of God. That's awesome. But look at verse 17 with me. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Oh, isn't that good news? We're his children. That means we're his heirs. That means we receive all these things from God. We've talked about this before, being an heir. You receive an inheritance. I told you I already got my inheritance, okay? When my dad passed away, mom said she already spent the money on putting a new roof on the house. We said, we'd help you. And she goes, why don't I use some of your money for that? And it's like, I didn't even know we got money, right? I was just thinking, I've already received my inheritance from my dad. Everything he taught me to raise me in a godly home, to me, that's my inheritance. 
I get anything else, that's just a bonus. But our inheritance, when we're part of God's family, there's so much. There's so much. We have what? Eternal life. Isn't that a great inheritance? We have a heavenly home. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. We've got a specific place, a home, when we get to heaven. We're going to be in the presence of God. We get his spirit living in us right now. The inheritance continues. It's incredible. But let me read on. Verse 17. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Oh, does that sound good? But, but wait. But if we're going to share in his glory, look at that next part. We must also share in what? Suffering. <laughs> wait a minute. So when I got adopted into this family, I thought I'd get all the good stuff. You do, but you also get the bad that comes along with it as well. How many times have you heard, you know, maybe amongst family members, somebody gets married in your family and you're talking with the in-laws and you're like, you married into this family. You should have known better. I grew up in it. You married into it, you know, as if it was a bad thing, right? Yeah, I know there'd be heads looking. Happens in our family all the time we get together. But here's the thing. As God's children, we know this to be true. First of all, we're led by God's Spirit. We've been reading about that, right, in Romans 8. We're led by God's Spirit. So our conduct reflects our Savior, our God. We also know we have a new relationship with God, and His Spirit lives within us. That helps us cry out, Abba, Father, to call Him Daddy. We know that God's Spirit works within us, so we may not fully understand how God's Spirit works, but it works within us. It convicts us of sin. It comforts us. It encourages us. It's part of that trinity. We participate also, though, in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. With all that we inherit, we also share not only in his glory, but we share in his sufferings. Sufferings? Why mention this, right? We acknowledge the problem of suffering, and sometimes we wrestle with it. But few of us would ever sit here and think of presenting it as Proof that you're a child of God. So suffering in my life is what, again? It's proof that you're a child of God. Sometimes we don't like suffering. We want to avoid it, right? But what if I told you that when you suffer, it is proof of your family inheritance? Why would Paul drag the subject in here? I mean, we we're such on a great roll. You know, we're adopted into family. We're sharing in his glory. Brothers and sisters, there's no obligation, right? There's no condemnation. This is great. Oh, but there is a sharing of the suffering. Paul, oh, come on. Why would he do this? I believe Paul knew, first of all, who he was writing to. When he was penning the book of Romans, he knew the people who were going to read this letter we're suffering. And maybe God's spirit placed upon the heart of Paul saying, 2,000 years from now, Paul, people are going to be picking this up. They're going to read your letters. They are going to be in the midst of suffering as well. They need truth. So Paul gets on his pen and, and he writes as God's spirit leads him. And we think about this, consider the biblical preachers and teachers who suffered. When you think about those who love Jesus Christ and what they wrote, Peter and John were jailed. Stephen was killed. And you discover as you read through the New Testament, John the Baptist, another preacher, another prophet, beheaded. They suffered. 
Paul, of all people, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, starved, threatened, exposed to all elements. What was true of those who preached the name of Jesus Christ was also true of those who followed Jesus Christ. This morning, you may not be a teacher. You may not be a preacher. You just say, I'm just a follower of Jesus Christ. But what is true of those who preach and teach is also true of those who follow. You will face suffering. We know that, right? We know back in biblical time that Christians were used as pawns by the Romans. They were placed in arenas to fight lions, which there's no winning against a lion. They were tied to stakes while they were still alive and poured oil over top of them and then lit on like torches. Burned at the stake, fed to lions. They were hated, they were ridiculed, they were abused. They were martyred in great numbers for their faith. They endured many disappointments, death, deprivation, disasters, all common to human life in a fallen and sinful world. The Christians faced that as Paul's writing We will share in the glory of God, but we will also share in his sufferings. And those who were going through all this said, yes, we know. And as you read the New Testament, you're going to discover that many books of the Bible address suffering. Let's go to what Jesus said. John chapter 16. If you want to put something there in Romans, you can. But John chapter 16, if you would turn there with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, fourth book into the New Testament. Jesus is with his disciples. And we pick up in verse 1 of John chapter 16. Because you can sort of imagine, as a one who is following Jesus Christ at that time, there's temptation, there's doubt, there's reason to wonder, should I really be following Jesus? Is it really worth the cost? So Jesus says, listen, I've told you these things. Verse 1, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. Jesus knows we're going to be tested. Jesus knows we're going to suffer. Jesus knows it's going to come our way. And so he says, I've got words for you to help you in these moments. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. The time is coming when those who will kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. Did you hear that? There's people out there that think by killing other people, they're doing a service for God. Does that sound anything relevant to today? With some radical terrorists going around, just killing people, think that they're honoring their God? Jesus called it. He goes on to say this. This is because they've never known the Father or me. They don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know God. They're following a false God who they think they are honoring when they kill people. Verse 4. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they do happen, you'll remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. He continues. Look at verses 32. Fast forward in this chapter to verse 32. And verse 32 and 33 says, But the time is coming. Indeed, it's, it's here right now. When you will be scattered. Just remember, a few hours from here, after he says all this, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come to arrest Jesus. What do the disciples do? They scatter. Again, Jesus calls it. Each one going his own way, leaving me alone. 
Listen, but he goes this, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Church, there will be tension. There will be sorrow. There will be trials. There will be suffering. It's going to happen. And we know this. As God's people, we know suffering is common amongst God's people. Just as it is in the New Testament. And as a Christian, the fact that you've publicly placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've confessed with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, every time you take communion, you're telling everybody, your brothers and sisters in the church, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. When you're baptized, when you come out of that water, you're publicly telling everybody, I am new in Christ. And as we walk through every day of life, the Holy Spirit works through us. We're telling people by the way we live, we are believers. We are followers of Jesus Christ. That sets you apart from the rest of the world. If somebody's playing a song out there, it's like, I don't recognize that song. Good. (laughs) Because that's not of you. That's of the world. Well, the world's doing this and I don't. Good. Because you are set apart. You're God's holy people. And because of that, some people will take offense to you because of what you believe. They don't like the way you believe. More recently, think about this. Christians, you know, maybe not so much here in America. We know there's persecution going on. But if you go to third world countries, the persecution is high. ACLJ News reported that on June 16th of this year, Hura Mahish a Pakistani Christian was beaten, shot, and his property was set on fire by Muslims because of a dispute originating from the profits of a business that they were running together. And that was nothing new. The International Society of Human Rights, which is a non-religious group, reported this. Close to 100,000 Christians are being killed every year because of their faith. 100,000 Christians every year. Think about that, church. Do the math. 365 days in a year. How many Christians are dying every single day because they chose to live for Jesus Christ? Do we not have it easy in America? We are very blessed. But sometimes I wonder is it really a blessing? I say that only because I think we can live a very mediocre, apathetic, lazy Christian life because there is no tension for being a Christian. Whereas if you were in another country, you'd really have to stand up for your faith, knowing that you might be imprisoned. How bold will you really be? And here you'll just get laughed at and told you can't can't shop at a store or something. When you search on the internet, it doesn't take long to see what's happening. Jenny just shared with me last night. She said, you see what's happening in Cleveland? They took down a billboard that was advertising God's Not Dead. It's a, a second movie that came out. And they took it down. They said, no, that's, and I can't remember the word you used, Jenny, but it was uh, basically saying, that's too Christian-y, you know? And so they put up a few other billboards that were like, what? That's about, you know, as bad as it gets for us, right? We know it's going to get worse. We may not be sitting in prison or being targeted, but I'll tell you, church, we do understand suffering, don't we? And there are many forms in which we suffer today. And, and not so much just because of your faith. We understand the sufferings of everything else. 
We understand the physical sufferings from cancer to sickness. We understand when natural disasters strike, there is suffering. Some of us can't relate maybe to the fires that are going on out west or the flooding or the people's lives that have been lost in situations like that when a natural disaster strikes. We know the suffering is because of the sin of man when murder, rape, maybe theft, somebody steals something, somebody breaks in and breaks something of yours of vandalism. Then it's, you get a taste of a little bit of suffering, don't we? Accidents, when an accident takes place, we understand that. We grieve over death and loss. We grieve over disappointment. We grieve in broken relationships. As a parent, we grieve when our children make destructive choices. Prejudice, poverty, trauma. Pick your category. We know suffering, right? And we understand this. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. See, and, and, and what Paul's saying is, listen, you're a part of God's family. Part of your inheritance is God's glory. Part of your inheritance is suffering. It's going to happen. In my family, we know that cancer is inevitable. It's probably going to happen. Not that we've inherited it, but it's, it's probably going to happen. One grandmother, colon cancer. The other grandmother, leukemia. My dad, four uncles, all prostate cancer. My brother, colon cancer. The risk is high in my family. I'll never forget sitting in there with my mom and dad when a doctor came in to tell my dad that this, he had already dealt with prostate cancer, but when he came back in and said, you have colon cancer. And he looked at me and he said, you're at risk. And I said, I know. My oldest brother has colon cancer. Then he looked at me and goes, you're at high risk. I know. So you take the steps, the precautions, all that kind of stuff, right? But being related to Christ means this. You share in all things. It's part of the family. You will share in his glory, which we get excited about, right? When we sing and worship with joy. But listen, we also share in sufferings. We share in sufferings. Romans 8, 17. But since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ. Together with Christ. We are heirs of God's glory. And we say, yes. But we're heirs and sharing his suffering as well. You're part of this family. Things are going to happen. Yeah, you may remember the story. Maybe you don't remember the story. But I look back at this story and I sort of thought about who you associate with may or may not bring you harm. Because I'm a Christian, because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, there will probably harm come my way. Here's the story. It was back in 2011, March 31st, opening day at the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball stadium. And a San Francisco Giant fan showed up that day wearing a San Francisco Giants gear at the Los Angeles Dodgers stadium to cheer on his team, even though he's in the opposing team stadium. And you may or may, or may, not, may, or may not remember what happened, but two Dodger fans didn't like the fact that he was wearing Giants stuff. And they beat him. They beat him to a pulp. And to this day, he is still dealing with severe brain injuries. Just because he associated with another team. He didn't ask for that. He just says, I'm cheering for this team. Because I'm cheering for this team, the opposing team didn't like me. And they unfairly hurt me. Church, it's sort of the same way. When you choose be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've declared, I'm on God's team. 
guess what? Your opposing team will take offense to that. And you will face suffering at some point in time because your enemy, Satan, will oppose who you are in Christ. It's going to happen. We will share in that suffering, unfortunately. Paul introduces the subject possibly to help us understand it's a part of life. It's on this side of heaven. While we are not yet in the presence of God in heaven, this is a part of what we get. And here's the thing. Getting angry at suffering or trying to avoid suffering, that's not the path for the Christian. We will get that way, right? When we suffer, we'll get mad. Why me? Why God? I don't like it. There's certain things that are just probably going to make you righteously angry. That's what happens, right? To curse God from his fortunes and pain doesn't solve the problem, does it? The angrier we get at God, does the problem get solved? No. Did God promise riches? riches? Did God promise us a spouse? Did God promise us family? God doesn't promise us any of that, does he? Do you say, I'm going to give you an easy life on earth. When you give your life to me, it's just going to be riches and easy life. You're going to be happy, happy, happy. Did God promise that? No. What did he call us to? He called us to what? Discipleship. You got to follow me. You be disciple. That's what I'm calling you to. Not riches and fame, but to discipleship. Glory's later. To, listen, to pray for healing, that's okay. I prayed for my dad. I prayed for my brother. I prayed for different injuries, different things that we come into our life when we're suffering. Listen, we can pray for less suffering. We can pray for no suffering. That is okay. We need to do that. To ask God to remove the object that's causing suffering, that is okay. But what if part of our life is to endure suffering? What if that's supposed to be part of your life, is to endure suffering? It may be that it's not God's will to heal or remove the suffering on this side of heaven. Maybe that's what God's going to do later. Nick Vujicic. I don't know if you've ever heard of that gentleman. You've ever seen his name, ever read his book, ever seen a video. You probably have. He's got that Australian accent. That's what at least it sounds like, right? Born with no arms, born with no legs. And he's grown up with a strong faith in Jesus Christ. To this day, he has spoken to millions of people all over the world. He has shared the love of Jesus Christ with millions of people all over the world. Has he suffered being born with no arms and no legs? In our eyes, we'd say, oh yes. Oh yes, he has truly suffered. In his eyes, through his suffering, he has led millions of people to Jesus Christ. There are going to be so many people in heaven because they heard the gospel presented from Nick. Because here's a man with no arms and no legs who still smiles because he has the faith of Jesus Christ shining through him. And he never stops learning. He called up Bethany Hamilton. You remember maybe the movie Soul Surfer? Bethany Hamilton is a young girl who was, when she was out surfing, was attacked by a shark and lost her arm. And she went on with one arm to still be a professional surfer. Her faith in Jesus Christ is incredibly strong as well. Nick calls up Bethany and says, can you teach me how to surf? Are you kidding me? I've got two arms and two legs. I don't know if I could stand on a surfboard on dry ground. Now, Pastor Dave, on the other hand, you surfed, right? Did you know he was a surfer? 
That's just, I'd, I'd love to see those days. Anyway, Nick Wojciech, no arms, no legs, calls up Bethany and says, can you teach me how to surf? She goes, sure. And they got video footage of him out there riding a surfboard in the waves. Are you kidding me? We have this thought that if we have the suffering removed, we're going to be happiness. And happiness is all that matters. Truth is, real growth comes by working through our hardships and suffering rather than avoiding them. I'll never forget one, uh, it was just not too long ago, Colin and I were driving down the road. I remember the exact spot on the road in my vehicle when he looked at me and he said, Dad, I'm glad I went through all the injuries in my life, the surgeries, the fractures. I'm glad I went through all of that. And I remember hands on the wheel, sort of looking at him like, really? Why would you say that? And he says, because if it wasn't for the suffering and the hardships that he faced, he would not have worked as hard to be where he is today. Had he not suffered, he would not have worked. That's a good point. Please understand, for the Christian, suffering is the arena for where we prove the reality of our profession and we achieve spiritual victories. Paul says our suffering show proof of our relationship with God. There's value in suffering, is what Paul is saying. Matthew chapter 5, turn there with me, please. You're in John, go back to Matthew. Three books back towards the front. Matthew chapter 5, you all remember the Sermon on the Mount, a famous sermon Jesus has given. In the midst of this sermon, Jesus says in verses 11 and 12, he's saying, blessed are those, blessed are those, right? But look at verse 11 and 12. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you where? In heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. When you are lied about, when you're made fun of your faith, when people joke about you, make fun of you, hurt you because of your faith, you know who you're like? You're like Elijah. You're like Jeremiah. You're like Daniel. You're like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. You're like Joseph. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Later, before Jesus was arrested in the upper room near the end of Jesus' life, John chapter 15, Jesus says this, If the world hates you, if the world hates you, remember, it hated me first. The world would love you if you belonged to it, but you're no longer part of the world. Church, you're no longer part of this world. Jesus says, I chose you to come out from the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than a master since they persecuted me. Naturally, they're going to persecute you. Church, if the world is going to persecute Jesus Christ as your Lord, do you think the world's going to persecute you as his follower? Yes. Expect persecution. Expect to be made fun of. And going back to the words of Jesus, blessed are you when that happens. He said this, since they persecuted me, naturally they'll persecute, persecute you. And if they listen to me, they would listen to you. Jesus suffered, right? Suffering happened to him. It happens to God's people. It happens. It's part of living in this world. Suffering, for God's sake, proves, I love this, proves that we're on the right side with Jesus. But know this, as I said earlier, not all suffering's in the form of persecution, Right? Some suffering comes just as a result because of the way this world is. 
And so we say, well, when that suffering comes, God, what's going to happen? I believe God says, I'm going to produce holiness in you. I'm going to produce growth in you. In Zechariah, the Old Testament now, Zechariah 13.9, let me read this to you. We read this. God says, I'll bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I'll refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They'll call on my name. I will answer them and I'll say, these are my people. And they'll say, the Lord is our God. Malachi 3.3 says, he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He'll purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Now you're listening to that scripture and saying, what are you talking about, Rex? It pictures God as a skilled refiner. He's heating the ore until the dross that's been mixed in with that ore rises to the surface. And then they take off the dross, the impurities of that ore, of that gold, of that silver. They move, remove it, and they look into that metal. And usually the refiner, they can see the reflection of their face into that metal. They know that that metal is now purified. And in the same way, God purifies us through the suffering. When the heat gets turned on in our life and the suffering goes on, the impurities come out. And God said, this is an opportunity to cleanse you, to produce growth in you, and to purify us. The writer of Hebrews, he gives us another image for when the Christians are suffering. He says, it's almost like God's disciplining you as his kid. We truly know this. If we love our children, we discipline them. If we don't love our children, we don't discipline them. Kids, if you're getting disciplined, it's because your parents love you. If they said no a thousand times, it's because they love you. Because they know what's going to hurt you and what's going to help you. And if we said yes all the time, we're not helping you. So we will say no. And you will get disciplined because even as adults, we get disciplined too. Hebrews 12, 7 and 8 and 10 and 11 says this. As you endure divine discipline, remember God's treating you as his own child. Remember, we're adopted into the family, right? Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline, listen, God's discipline is always good. Look at the person next to you and say, God's discipline is always good. Go ahead and tell them. Oh, yeah. God's discipline is always good. We sit there and say, did I just say that? Yes. You can say that because God says it. His word says it. Listen to this. God's discipline is always good for us. Let's finish the rest of that sentence. So that we can share in holiness. When we're disciplined, we are drawn near to holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. (laughs) How many of you really enjoyed getting spanked? Man, I'm telling you, when my mom said, give me your belt, lower your britches, oh, that was, it's like, oh, this is going to be so fun. Bring it, mom. Uh, let, me, let me read this again. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Amen. It's painful. Wealth's to prove it, right? But afterward, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained this way. As we're trained in holiness, when suffering comes along, it might be a form of discipline. It might be. Like I said, suffering comes in many ways. There's another kind of suffering which has value for Christians, which can be likened to the suffering endured when a soldier is being trained 
to become an officer. You know, a young man that just went through the Marines, he has that time where he's like, I think it's a 21-hour period, I believe, where he goes through intense training before he's officially considered a Marine. Oh, and it's tough. I don't know how many of us could ever make it through that, right? Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.3, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's as if when that suffering comes, we're being trained up spiritually. If we're called to endure in suffering, we should be encouraged by this because it proves that we're a child of God. And we're being refined. We're being disciplined. We're being trained to be used by him in the spiritual warfare that leads us to what? Victory. That leads us to victory. So, suffering. You could say this. I heard it. I read this from an author. He said this. Suffering is an ordained path to glory. Suffering is an ordained path to glory. Look at Romans 8.17 with me again, please. Romans 8.17. And then leave it there because we're going to read a few more verses. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Paul said this. Let me read this from 2 Corinthians. Stay there in Romans, please. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18, Paul said this, For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix and we gaze on our eyes on things we cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul's saying, yes, your present sufferings are tough, but the glory ahead is awesome. So we don't fix our eyes on the suffering now, but we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Listen, church, suffering is necessary. Jesus taught it was necessary for himself, for those who follow. It's going to happen. Suffering is not the end of the story for Christians. Glory is ahead. Suffering is just part of the path to glory. Romans chapter 8, you're still there with me? Let's read on. Verses 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he'll reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Can you imagine flowers that will never wilt, grass that never turns brown, trees that don't die? Creation is screaming out saying, we can't wait to that day when we no longer decay. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, that's us, church, we also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we long as our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Amen to that. I'm tired of achy knees, achy shoulders, headaches and so forth and so on. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must patiently 
wait patiently and confidently. Let me read that last verse again. Listen very carefully. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, that's God's glory, right? That might be heaven, right? We must wait patiently and confidently. Church, hang in there. Hang in there. Let's encourage one another. As children of God, we are heirs to God, right? Part of that inheritance is a suffering. So church, we get that. So how do we handle that, church? We lock arms with one another. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. So let me ask you this. Are you suffering today? Might be from all kinds of things, right? Allow God to work through you. Allow your brothers and sisters to walk through you. If you're suffering, why have you not yet shared that with somebody to pray with? Why don't we put it on the prayer chain? You don't have to put it on the prayer chain. Just call somebody else in the church and say, would you please pray? Keep it between us for right now until I feel more comfortable, maybe to put it out there. But I know I can't keep this to myself. I'm suffering with something right now. Pray for me, please. Then pray together. Worship team, would you please come forward? The other day, um, I was going for a run. And I'm trying to get back into running form and all that kind of stuff just because I want to stay healthy. And I know that if I don't keep moving the body joints and get tight and it's like, I don't feel good. So it's like, okay, I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep walking. So I'm, I'm running. I was listening to some music and I was looking at my watch thinking, okay, I know how far I've gone. Maybe I should push myself and just go a little bit further. And, and I thought, here's a good ending point. I could, I knew where it was. It's probably another quarter of a mile, but I thought, well, I've already ran far enough. You know, that's good enough, right? And it was hot. I'm sweating. I'm tired. And on my headphones, I was listening to, I was running was a song by Toby Mac called Move, okay? And then I'm listening to these words. And he goes, I know your heart is broken again. I know your prayers aren't answered yet. Maybe feeling like you got nothing left. And I'm sitting there going, I feel like I got nothing left right now. Speak it, Toby, right? He said, lift your head. It ain't over yet. So keep walking. Keep moving. Christian, lift your head. Keep. He goes, it ain't over yet. And the lyrics kept going on, hold on, hold on. The Lord ain't finished yet. Hold on, hold on. He'll get you through this. And I was thinking through times of suffering, we just need to hold on. Just hold on, church, right? And I'm not saying that running is suffering, but at some point in time, you know what I'm saying. You're working out, you're like, I feel like I'm suffering right now. This is no longer fun. But yet I know I need to do it, right? And sometimes that's the way life is, is we're just sort of moving on. And I could see my finish line ahead. And I was like, I'm not going to stop short. I can see right ahead of me where I said I was going to go. And so I said, I'm just going to keep running. And the crazy thing was, right when I hit that sign, like there's, there was a stop sign and that was my spot. And right when I, boom, hit it, boom, the song was done. And I was like, wow, that's weird. But it sort of reminded me that that's what God wants us to do. Until we get to heaven, until we get to the presence and the glory of God, keep going, keep walking, keep moving. Hold on, church. Yeah, we share in his sufferings, but we also share in his glory. Next week, we're going to talk about his glory, okay? We're going to look about what, the, what Paul has to say about the glory ahead. I look forward to that one, okay? But church, until then, until that day, hold on. Keep going. Keep going. You're his adopted child. He loves you. He's got you. Would you stand? Let's pray. God, what an amazing God you are that in the midst of the suffering that goes on in our life, we have all kinds of suffering, whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's sickness, whether it's the sins of another person brought upon us, or whether it's persecution, we've all tasted suffering. 
I'm so thankful that you knew we needed encouragement. And so you had Paul write, and you gave us examples of prophet after prophet, person after person, even in the New Testament, who suffered, and even your own son, Jesus Christ, said, oh, you will have trials. You will suffer. But blessed are you when it happens. And then you had Paul write and say, you're his adopted child, and part of that adopted child, you're an inheritance. Part of that inheritance is glory. Oh yeah, and suffering, which leads to glory. God, thank you so much. In the midst of suffering, we can say, we're going to keep going because glory is ahead. This present moment is nothing but a moment of suffering that's either going to discipline us, it's going to refine us, it's going to make us holier, it's going to draw us near to you, it's going to maybe allow us to be a witness to somebody else because we've kept going. And maybe our suffering has come upon us so that we can help another person who's going to suffer in the same way. We don't know the reasons why, but whatever it is, we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to trust you, God, for the glory that lies ahead. We're going to trust you. We're going to keep moving. God, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray for this church, for the present suffering that somebody may be facing right now. Lord, they're not alone. Let them know they're not alone. Help them to stand with your strength. Give them the encouragement to share that with another person so they can be prayed and up together. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the time of worshiping you and you alone. Lord, we just want to sing to you now because you're an awesome and mighty God. You are Messiah. We love you. In our name we pray. Amen.